Is this your soft OnlyFans look? And then I'll. And then I'll. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. See, we want to get the those views up just a little. Ask toe. the venue. Just because the toe. thing is, you don't know who was in it before. So oh, if the yeah. people before were doing that. That's my point. Yeah, that's fair. That's why you can't have because then you've got anyone's for you going on the thing. Ah. Uh, you see, you see me. You see me now. This is why I quickly I flipped it. <laughs> Uncultured <Dirty> swine. <laughs>
Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, the Golden Age rom com in 1967 mm. with uh, Sidney Poitier and Catherine Hepburn. Big, big boy mm. talent in that film. Mm-hmm. That original film, for context, was one of the few of the time to depict an interracial marriage in a positive light, as interracial marriage had historically been illegal in the United States up until like six months before the film. It was illegal in 17 states. Mm. Um, and then those anti-miscegenation laws were struck down by the Supreme Court in Loving v. Virginia, one of the classics of the American um, legal oeuvre up there with Brown. <laughs> but Without which I would not be here today. Exactly. So. wouldn't. Exactly. So th- that is the context. You which took it to a different level as well. I did. I was like, <laughs> get them all in. Get them all in. <laughs> So that is the context that's just set against. It's a remake of a remake. And with remakes, there is a tendency for the juice to get watered down with each version. But I thought, do you need to lighten up, Dan? Can things just be a lighthearted romp, Alana? I mean, I went into it not with like much expectations, so I I guess that's why I didn't mind it because mm. I was just kind of like, it's Jonah Hill, it's easy watching, like, and I also really wanted to see what Eddie Murphy was going to do like yeah. after such a kind of hiatus for a while. Um, it was fine, like it was fine, <laughs> I guess. But why did you go into it with low expectations? So. That you know, it's 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 a Jewish guy, it's a black girl, they fall in love, they need to meet each other's families, are they gonna like each other, are they gonna hate each other? Look at the differences between us. But the cast, like Jonah Hill, uh Julia Louis Dreyfus, mm-hmm. um, David Duchovny, you've got um Neil Long. Yeah, Neil Long, Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy, like mm-hmm. these are objectively some of the funniest and like most talented uh, comedic actors active mm-hmm. at the minute. And even like I, I put Duchovny in there, like his timing in this film, there are bits in this film where you, um, you it, he actually has me rolling. I like, enjoyed it, him, I did it, enjoy exactly. him Exactly. So uh, why, so that is, that adds to my disgust at the overall output. This is just really, really throwing me because I've got to be honest, I didn't finish the film. I got about half an hour in and I'm only just now finding out that Neil Long's in this film. (laughs) (laughs) So now I've got a reason to go back and finish it. Yeah. Excuse the pun. She doesn't. (laughs) You didn't. Sorry. (laughs) She doesn't actually do much in the film. She's, She's sort of window dressing and padding to Eddie Murphy's black uh, um, black Muslim Kang. His Hotep. Yeah. Hotep, Hotep Kang, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and I just feel like it's, I, I thought, yeah, are you, are you making too much of this? Can something just be a lighthearted comedic romp? But then when you, the some of the dialogue in this thing Mm. is the reason why I cannot let it pass because it aspires or it is it, they're afraid there are parts of this where it aspires to be something better so there is the, the bit where they're talking about um 
the relationship between white people. I knew you were going to bring this. Yeah, the white people and black people in 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 America, and whether they can ever be friends. And this is uh, this is meta because Johnny Hill's got a podcast with a a, a black uh, his black best friend who is a sort of I think trans mask. Forgive me if that's not exactly um, the um, characterization in terminology. Yeah. But the, the character, his friend says, for the black people in this country, white dudes are the cheater and we're the chick who can't move on. Mm. And I was like, if you are just going to casually just try and roll that into the dialogue and you're consistently like going to, and the, the modernization of the film hinges on dropping in references to Black Lives Matter and... Uh, black suffering that's taken place in the last two and a half years mm. then you have to aspire to be better than just you know adding in like these really lightweight uh cheap jokes yeah. and that unfortunately is is where i sort of drew the line but i guess like who is it for you know like who who is the intended audience because if the intended audience is potentially just white people or more people who would be more in alignment with Jonah Hill. Um, maybe this is like a soft landing for them to yeah. deal with these sort of sort of topics. Cause there were some points that I did think were, they're pretty heavy handed in there in the dialogue, but um, I think there's like a bit at the end and obviously this is kind of spoiler alerts cause we're talking about this movie, but um, where Lauren London character, ca her character confronts um, Jonah yeah. Hill's mom, mm. and then Jonah Hill confronts Eddie Murphy, and I feel like some of the things that they are saying in that sort of like uh, climactic, their climactic speeches are actually pretty valid, mm. but I don't think it's for us. <laughs> but it's not earned. But it's huh? not earned. Yeah. So as a as a as a writer of like. TV theater, one of the things that's constantly being drilled is you've got to earn your moments. Mm. So that, that those two scenes at the end where all of a sudden um, Jonah Hill stands up to Eddie Murphy and um, Lauren London stands up to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, th those moments aren't earned. They, they actually jarred with the rest of the film because the film had been so at pains to not be in any way uncomfortable except in a slapstick way. And there's that, there's the one wedding scene where, you know, they kind of have that moment where they're like, oh, I don't think it's gonna work because of our families. And then they, six months later, it's, I, I think that one of my frustrations with Kenya Barris specifically is that he wants to dip his toe into serious issues, but still keep it lighthearted. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that certain things just have to stay separate. This was always my issue with Blackish, if I thought about it critically, mm. which was that every time it tried to delve into serious topics, it apart from one time where um, Anthony Anderson's character talks about the Obama um, inauguration and the sense of fear that he had when he stepped out of his car and he said, yeah. you were thinking the same thing. But because it was so slapstick, it doesn't earn those moments. So mm. 
I do think, uh, specific, I think both the Lauren London and the Jonah Hill, the critiques that they make of the parents are absolutely valid, but those parents are so ridiculous throughout the film that it's it doesn't, it's like then, and the fact that they then go under, undergo this um, transformation and realize it's not earned because it's not, it's not consistent with the rest of the film. Mm. This is it, there's like, it's uh, it's supposed to feel like catharsis but like particularly in the case of like Joan Hill I do, I don't I don't I don't understand the position he finds himself in they have this whole scene where he's going he's they Eddie Murphy invites himself on on his stag and makes sure he has an awful time mm -hmm. but like looking at the stag he'd have no his character would have no right to behave the, to to have this moment when he is like saying, oh, you came on this dog, you behaved in this slash bachelor party from the US, you behaved in this way, like I've I've just taken it, I've taken it, I'm not gonna take it anymore, and I knew it wasn't good enough. I was like, okay, yeah, right, fine. Now now what do we do? Oh. There's no, it's it's there's there's no. To me, there was no sort of truth to that bit, and it certainly didn't set me onto the path to thinking there's going to be this Damascene conversion. Mm. I also, I think I cut out at the point after they'd said, I don't think it's going to work after our parents. Mm. <laughs> I just don't need to see the rest of this. <laughs> I, I just really don't think, so rewind a little bit. When I was younger, and I'm sure we might have done the same, you're obviously excused from this part. I looked at black American culture as kind of like the lead or like the foreground of blackness in media and like a, rep a broader representation of blackness. Now having lived and existed in the UK for so long, these kind of films, I just they're not for me, they're not for us because I can go to anywhere in the UK and see a hundred Jadens and Cadens, like mm -hmm. mixed race people yeah. are not something that is a novelty. It's mm -hmm. not rare in this country. Yeah. And it's so normalized. The amount of, my family is so mixed. Mm -hmm. Like between me and my cousins, I think there's only two of us that are black on both sides. So when I watch something like this, I'm like, I can't, I understand what you try to do. I understand how this might have, it might cause ripples in certain areas of the world, certain cultures, but it's not going to in mine. So, so many of the conversations I hear them, I understand them. Maybe if it was strictly to do with religion or something, it might make a little bit, more sense to me, but I'm just like, this isn't for me, so I'm not gonna waste my time watching it. And also, it's the start point for comedy. It's like, mm. why are we starting with the with the kind of Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Eddie Murphy character? Why do they have to be so ridiculous? Because it can still be incredibly funny and then being less slapstick, because the thing is, Jonah Hill's character is not a slapstick character, and Lauren London's character is not a slapstick mm. yeah. character. Yeah. And actually, to speak to the, I know that they would say, look, we're just trying to make an entertaining film and people have been entertained by it. Okay, but then don't kind of dip your toe into like yeah. the issues of the last couple of years mm. because there are scenes in there that you can go, well, that would be quite funny in a different in a different film. Yeah. But like, we're, we're past this. Oh, oh, I, my child is going to have, you yeah. know, and like in America, I think especially. Um, like, and you can have, you could have earned those moments in a way that would have been satisfying for a greater audience. Because the point that you just made there, Dom, is the key. It's not for us. Mm. It, it might have some of our faces, but it's not for us. Yeah. Um, but if that's the presentation, and this is a, they've put a lot of money behind that. They've spent serious money on the promotion for that. Um, 
And so you're presenting, this is, this is an acceptable face of, of light entertainment, black Americans. But actually, it feeds into this sort of crazy belief. If you only present black men as stereotypes, every black man in that film was a stereotype. There wasn't, there wasn't a normal black guy in it. Dion Cole's character wasn't. Uh, Eddie Murphy's character wasn't. The brother even wasn't. Um, and when you then allow nuance for the other side, you're kind of saying you can fit into one of these stereotypes. Mm. And I think that frustrates me particularly with Kenya Barris is because um, I actually quite like the last project that he did on Netflix, Intergalactic. It was, it was light and it was fluffy, but it was, it was, it was fun. But actually the characters in there had a little bit more nuance. Mm. And and I think in twenty twenty three we can we can strive for nuance. Like you can't like and I don't think there's any other minority group that you could have made that about and it would have been acceptable. Um Well, and it's interesting too because these the people who are playing these roles are they understand those nuances. Like the Jewish side, I mean, there it's set in Hollywood in LA, like that is a part of the culture and yeah. i think and that could also be to your point why for me i was able to kind of go on that journey a little bit more than you guys because this is the these are the two experiences that i grew up with yeah, like quite literally black and jewish and being in la um and yeah there there was a missed opportunity i think for that nuance but that could also be why i shouldn't have said i had low expectations i just felt like I knew what I was getting into. I felt like I knew that it was going to be kind of um, stereotypical and they were going to be more caricatures and that it was going to be a predictable plot. Like that's kind of what I felt like I had signed up for, which is why I kind of allowed myself to be taken on that journey. Um, but I don't know, is that like okay or is that potentially harmful because it's just perpetuating some... Uh, some one old... thing that you just said that kind of, and I think the two of you have just have touched on it, about like the black people in there being and acting stereotypical. This is a question. Do we think that stereotypes play a bigger role in the way that black people are depicted in the US versus the UK? Because I think when I see the kind of roles that people have, that black people have in the UK, I see less stereotypes than I do when I'm watching US things. But I, I don't know that's a question. Hmm. Why do that's the Black Brits are going there because there's more roles. No, no, I get, I get that. And that yeah, and I th possibly the bargain of that is there's more roles. But you have to play a certain role. This but then uh, how many shows in, in Britain really feature kind of diverse cast? Mm. And like, I w I've, I've made the joke a million times about Top Boy, but it's like, again, it, it's feeding into that same but, sort of stereotype. But what I would say is... And again, we've touched uh, we've touched on this before. A, a normal black character isn't people isn't isn't a thing. The, the, there's not just a guy who is black who's just doing a job. The blackness has to be centered around uh, a perceived aspect of 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 blackness. Mm. So that's why. Um, Michaela Coel's. I was about to say that's why it's so groundbreaking. That's why it st st stood out yeah. because you've got just this this person living this, this normal life. She's writing yeah. a book, yeah. and she's black, and yeah. she's run by black people doing like amazing black things. Regular ass black things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, one thing I did also like, I 
I liked about this movie and I wish that it had been done better just because it felt very timely was that it was a the meeting of black Muslim people and white Jewish people and I feel like especially for some reason now there's been a clash um between those two groups like sort of a spectacle I mean with Kanye when we were talking about David Baddiel like this has been these are two groups that sometimes can find themselves at odds and I don't know I just feel like there is an opportunity there to black and Jewish show <laughs> yeah to show like I don't know um I don't know just a better relationship between those two different cultures yeah um, I guess if I guess if at the end of the day if you were entertained um you know maybe we're the koofy hat wearing kind of people that are taking life too seriously this is it I, and it's it's there are there are many many terrible fil films which just completely passed me by and Netflix but it's the, the, for me just the way it was framed the way it was marketed yeah. And then, as you were saying, if you're going to dip your toe into social issues, people are going to be on you, justifiably so. As I tell you what it was like for me, it felt like watching the Instagram story of like a drunk person on <laughs> a night out. Because like, you know when it's like you've got, oh God, there's eight bits to it, and then something's happening and then you're like, something terrible is going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's all it was. This is your Instagram story. That used to be your Instagram. That was my... Going to have a, a pint every hour. It's a pint number I can't even, re <laughs> can't even remember. <laughs> pint every hour? It was more, way uh, more than that. I'm on number nine. <laughs> and the next I'm on, like, I'm on number was. 14. <laughs> oh, what happened to parts 10 through 13? <laughs> Back onto eight. Back onto pint number eight. That was so funny, that. But yeah, it's just like... So, and you just... You, and except with this, you were just waiting for the next sort of clunky, yeah. mm -hmm. like sort of embarrassing, like trope or joke, or and it's just this cavalcade, like one after the other after it's the like other. It's like Tyler Perry esque. It was Kenya Barris, Tyler Perry, mm. <laughs> Spider Man meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the, the 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 last thing that I'll I'll say is that the the one positive thing is that at least this film now exists in a world where we are seeing some just amazing art that that has black people in it just being both spectacular and very, very normal, that this does exist in the same universe as Michaela Coel. It does exist in the same world as Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It does exist Woman in the King. same world as Atlanta, mm -hmm. as Woman King, um, as Insecure. So actually it's like, at least now, it's like, it's like the, the, the old thing with uh, black quarterbacks where it's like, I can't, I can't criticize any of them because of the way that you people are talking about it. Mm. Um, and um, you know, the joke about Obama was like, you know, black people weren't liking him too much, but they couldn't because white people were too openly hating him and they recognized the meta conversation happening. So mm. yeah, if people liked it, they liked it. But for me, um, how, are, how are you not advancing the conversation that much past the 1967 version? Yeah. Mm. We've glossed over the most important part as well. You, <laughs> you alluded to it. And it's Jonah Hill with Lauren London. Like See, we can't, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> we cannot keep doing this. Like manage expectations. Like people. I, no, no, I'm not no, having no, it. I I've watched I, I Hitch. I've seen this. Albert Brenneman and Allegra Cole. Um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
Jason Siegel, Amelia Kunis. I'm sick Mate, of this. It's not, not real. Been, and then you got people out there that are like five stinking. But like, it I can is real. Oh, if you go, not real. If you not real. go to Fairfax, and then you got Fairfax these weirdos that are going to start stalking oh. someone because Dumb. they're like, Dumb. ooh, yeah, I've seen in this <laughs> film that I can actually attain something like this. It's bollocks. I mean, it's not common, but it is real. I've seen your missus. No, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Like, <laughs> I hate it. It's so stupid. Pew, 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 like, I see pew, the pew, films pew. Like, Oh my, it, it winds me up Jonah, no end. Like Jonah Hill, he's learned from Seth Rogen. Knocked up, I think, I would Another say one. that was- that I mean, was... that's absurd. Yeah, They're all that's... absurd. <laughs> what are you telling you? I saw Jonah Hill. And I was like, that's really? It is, is purely an LA there? thing. I promise you, If you, it, that is much more common what, there. The only way I can make it make sense is money. So like Uncle Phil, Aunt Viv, like she stuck around. But, but Dom, She was again. a real one, but he also had a bag of money. But Dom, I'm again. talking about the original Aunt Viv. <laughs> 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 So you don't think that funny, dorky guy in a million. can land? One in a million. Babes? One in a million. I completely disagree with you. That's nonsense. Yeah, I have a hard Let's, let's go walk to London Bridge after this and let's see how many like ridiculously matched couples we see. It'll be none. But it's nonsense. <laughs> this is this is a very, I okay, let's move on. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Brutal. It's not brutal, it's so real. This is brutal. life. This is life. What am I? Am I having a seizure? What is happening? Is the lights <laughs> dimming? What's going? <laughs> Sorry, we can continue. I just had to get off my chest. It's nonsense. I mean, the good thing is we get to do this conversation in twenty years when they remake this. <laughs> <laughs> Our train is never late. So, I guess if if Kenya Barris can be accused of producing these sort of black and biracial stories for the white gays. Emmanuel Acho stands absolutely accused of having conversations with the same ends for me. The host of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Emmanuel Acho was an NFL player. I think he was he didn't play for very long. Don't know who he played for. And he has rebranded himself. Sorry? Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Good luck in the Super Bowl. That's already happened when you're listening to this. <laughs> um, it's, it's upcoming it's, next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Okay. Um, host of uncomfortable conversations with a black man, and Emmanuel Acho has positioned himself as a conduit through which we can channel black anger. That our mistreatment and abuse and punishment into a soft, uncomfortable, and palatable um, discussion with the people perpetrating the violence. Mm. And he's had his most famous episodes. He had Roger Goodell on. Uh, the NFL commissioner to talk about Colin Kaepernick and basically soft soap him and allow Roger Goodell to, to essentially launder his reputation and the the treatment of an like the excommunication of Colin Kaepernick. He had an uncomfortable conversation with the police <laughs> <laughs> of uh, the perpetual 
murdering of 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 black people, and he had an uncomfortable conversation about Roe v. Wade. Uh, you can, you can. The, this is it's the the theme is that he positioned himself as this this voice who could take some of the heat out of these conversations, have a polite chat, um, at the pleasure I would say of people who would otherwise be facing a lot of criticism, and on the behalf of a black community who didn't really ask him to do that. <laughs> so most recently he was on the. Uh, High Learning Podcast with Rachel Lindsay and Van Lathan of Kanye rant fame. And essentially, Emmanuel Acho on the podcast had said that the fact that he was from Nigeria, uh, he's an African-American, but in a different way. He was from Nigeria, but raised in America, and he went to school with white people, and he was in white, but he was in black churches. Meant that he could, he didn't suffer some of the generational trauma that clouded the conversations that black people have with black people, with with white people when they're talking about um, uh, violence against black people and their own mistreatment. Oh, when white people say, "Well, racism doesn't exist." I know why they say that, because I've been in them rooms when they're saying that. Mm -hmm. When I kick it with black people and they're like, all white people are racist. Hmm. I know why you're saying that. All the while, I have the privilege and luxury of not having generational trauma because my parents were born in Nigeria. So man, my method is removing some of the sting um, because I don't have that sting and trying to deliver a message in a manner that people can receive it. Okay. Let me tell you why what you just said offends me. Okay. You saying that you don't have generational trauma and you didn't mean it this way, but the reason, and, and it's, I have to name it. You saying that you don't have any generational trauma in some way, meaning, or that in some way, meaning that your delivery method to white people is going to be either more effective or more sanitized is to me dangerous. And let me tell you why everybody that you just named and what you're talking about, does what they do in different ways. I don't think that any of the things that they do are necessarily harmful. But what I could say is a black man, a prominent one, acting as an emotional butler for white people and serving them the most milk toast, unspicy, unseasoned brand of racial discourse and accountability possible could definitely be harmful. Like, we're fighting for our lives. And to me, having a conversation like that at that particular time, it's not that it's a different method. Everybody has a different method. Is that it's the wrong method. Who does it serve to take the anger out of the voice? Well, who do you think it serves, then? I'm asking you, Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, this... Uh, actually feeds a little bit into um, the last topic that that you put in, Dom, about kind of uh, what it takes to uphold structures. Um, because the idea that um, I'm not kind of African-Americans, therefore I'm, I'm good, serves to uphold white supremacy. White supremacy is not about, and we'll, we'll get onto this with the last topic, it's not about white people winning, 
it's um, like an individual white person winning. It's about upholding a system that kind of leads those that are at the top of capitalism to keep their position. And those people are, you know, normally and historically white. And you can advance as a person of color as long as you uphold that system, but it will not protect you forever. Um, I I did agree with Van Leeuwen. It was incredibly disrespectful, I thought. And and actually, it's... I think there's this thing in in the American kind of talk sphere about whatever bag you've got, keep securing it. Mm. Um, and it's why kind of, like, so Kendrick Perkins' thing is he's going to kind of talk his mess about what he wants to talk about. It's why Skip Bayless's last breaths will be LeBron James. Um it's, you know, you're seeing it now with like the um, uh, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes have traded on the realness that they had on the court for their podcast, All the Smoke. You, But it almost boxes you in. So yeah. like my brand is this. And so uh, who is Emmanuel Acho's audience when he's having those uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the same people that are in the audience for higher learning. So if he's bringing his audience there, he has to show in some way that he is, um, you know, don't worry, I'm still fulfilling my role within this. And I, I know that he would strongly disagree. And Emmanuel, you're welcome to come on the pod and kind of <laughs> uh, and discuss it. But it's there's one of two things happening either he's doing it deliberately in which case it's a very different conversation yeah. mm -hmm. or he's doing it unwittingly and he really should have stopped to listen why it made um van lathan so upset because yeah. it, it it did it for me it was it was an ugly scene mm -hmm. mm. i mean to suggest that people who are not descendants of black American slavery still don't, but are still black from Nigeria, still don't inherit generational trauma is just so ignorant <laughs> because- In Nigeria is younger than 60 years old. <laughs> yeah. and, and what we're talking about, that inherited trauma is not just because we are descendants of slaves, it's because the devastation that white supremacy and colonialism has caused is on a global level. And if you want to talk about colonialism in on the African continent, I mean, we have talked about this at length, that there are a separate set of issues that are inherited there. Um, and we'll, uh, we are going to talk about this a little bit later, but I cannot remember the phrase for this, but there is something about, um, there's a term for uh, the sort of collective conscious experience and shared experiences that when you see someone um, going through a certain experience and you see yourself in that person, that you then also kind of share in their trauma as well. Um, so even if you necessarily are not um, black American or you're first generation black American or whatever, still witnessing what other black Americans have to deal with on a regular basis and the small traumas or big traumas that they experience, we on some level um, take that as our own as well. Uh, this might be way too high level for someone like 
Acho to to understand or to really grasp, but. Yeah, I think that speaks to what you were saying, what we said as well about you people, in that the audience for Acho's show is clear is clearly not the likes of us. Mm. I don't really think it's for black people. The only time I've ever seen any of that content shared has been from white people. And I think as a kind of excuse to, as a way to excuse something that they might've been feeling and they've now seen someone say it and that kind of gives their initial thoughts a little bit more validity, I don't know. But when I look at it, I see white people as the intended audience see dumb people as the intended audience and then as well I think that doesn't work so much over here because I know you and I spoke about this briefly this week one of the things that was trending and again I'm not going to generalize and say all Americans but there is a real deficiency in their education system when it comes to geography mm. ridiculous <laughs> so the amount of Americans that have been asked to name a bunch of African countries. Five, it was five. Five African countries and can't name maybe two African African countries. Um, so Jamaica. <laughs> Western Africa. Uh, Kingston. My God. But yeah, the reason I say that is because it seems that, and it's, and it's sad, it sounds like I'm taking the piss, but it's sad that I've seen this within so many black Americans because I think once you start to teach people and they have a better understanding of a history that's not too long ago either. We're just saying then Nigeria in its current state is 60 odd years old. I think it's 1960. Yeah, it's yeah, 62, 63 um, years old. The more people understand and learn about that kind of history, the less- Oh, sorry, it's been independent. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yes, of course, yeah, of course. The less you will have people potentially agreeing with the likes of Acho because it's like, yes, Africa is a long distant far away place. But at the end of the day, this is all tied together. Yeah. It's all tied together with us in the UK, you in the States, every single last person almost in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. in huge parts of South America, all over the world. It's ridiculous for you to kind of just start to segregate. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that is again what you were saying about Western white leading imperialist structures is that now you're starting to see furthermore fractures within the black community when at the end of the day, if the police stop Emmanuel Acho, I was literally are they going to give a fuck this. that? He's like, whoa, 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 I'm Nigerian. Mm -hmm. I'm not like them. No one gives a shit about that. And that's the bit that really annoys me here. That's so dangerous. And right? on a subconscious level, that must impact him as well. Because, mm. you know, if you're black, you're black in America. And like yeah. you said, if you're stopped by the police. Like, and you must know that about yourself, regardless mm. of whether, you know, you were born in Nigeria, your parents are Nigerian. Like, you have that understanding. Mm. Yeah. I th it's to what Andrew was saying, you overlook it for the money. Sure. Yeah. For the money. And I think you've seen a real disdain in African countries uh, at how the lack of education in the diasporas uh, about like what's going on back in Africa. And you, you see the way they treat some. And, I think there's a bit of a backlash last year. People saying, and I was guilty of it. I can't remember who the artist was who went back to Africa, and she's like, "Oh, I'm reborn." Yeah, and it was like you shouldn't you shouldn't belittle people for for going to Africa and actually connect reconnecting with their roots. Mm -hmm. But I think there is some justifiable um, there's there's a justifiable harshness to when Americans show themselves to have not done an ounce yeah. of research and reading and the education about peace is a huge one because Emmanuel Acho paints himself as this 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 
uh, well-educated, well-read uh, individuals, good at communicating and better at communicating than, than your average black person. And yet he'd say there's no generational trauma when in fact in his own country, they had a civil war which killed 30,000 people, mm-hmm. which like one million people fled. Like the, I think it was the African war. war. Yeah. So for him not to even reference that, of it not even coming to his head, uh, is is indicative of of just this sort of lack of joined up thinking when it comes to uh, the roots of, well, how deep and insidious like the the any kind of black trauma is in Africa and and in America, and I think like that's when you that's how you get sort of deeper division between between uh, within the black community. Yeah. We spoke on the last pod about um, Andrew Tate, and I, I kind of talked about it being an education issue. But that's the same thing in America. I love doing research into how, like, the funding in American education and the educational standards, and it's in the news again because Ron DeSantis has kind of made the teaching of like AP Black Studies kind of mm-hmm. he's seriously curtailed it, and it's this suppression of history. So. What it, what people like Emmanuel Acho and um, Andrew Tate and all these people so, show to me is that there is a real appetite for learning. Yeah. But there isn't, if you haven't been given the tools to know how to learn, it becomes very, very difficult. So mm. I always used to say that when I was a teacher that my job wasn't to teach you Shakespeare or verbs, whatever, it was to give you the tools to go and be able to learn anything. Yeah. So when I when I taught A-level and, and GCSE, in the last six weeks before the exam, I wouldn't teach anything. I would come in and say, what are you going to learn today? And it, it seems it seems backward because it's like, but you you have you know how to learn, so go and do the learning. I can provide you with resource. I can kind of say, well, maybe go in that place and do it, but you're gonna come up with your own stuff. Um, can I just say, I've got a newfound deeper respect for you because <laughs> the teacher that I had at A-level for English is the one that probably made the most, the biggest impact on my learning, my education. And he used to do that maybe twice a week, just like come in, it's like today we're just gonna have a conversation, what we're gonna talk about. Mm. And then it was just an hour of debate. Mm. And that is something that I think kids need that way more so than just rifling good. through a textbook. It's, it's, I mean, that's another conversation. It's difficult to do that because there's so much content because mm. this country especially is like, we want you to learn specific things yeah. um, as opposed to kind of have those kind of nuanced debates. So there is an appetite for it. And I think people like Acho and, t- and even like, podcasts like this it's like saying we recognize that you might have been failed by your traditional education system here is a place to do it and then it comes down to the 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 good or bad faith of the actors doing it mm-hmm. Emmanuel Acho is probably smarter than your average and he is able to present it in a way that is smarter than your average the problem is is that because of underfunding average is 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 a much lower baseline because mm-hmm. you don't want people to be too smart because then they might start to question why things are the way it's they are critical thinking isn't it yeah it, yeah exactly on to a difficult topic um um, we spoke about it earlier, uh, just in passing, and that is of the recent killing of Ty Nichols and yet another in the genre of um, black death televised on the internet. And we're going to talk about torture porn because... Is it right? So we had this before. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is it torture or is it trauma porn? Because I feel like I've I've been exposed to both phrases. I'm going to go ahead and keep saying trauma porn. I think it's trauma porn. (laughs) So Google. Yeah, Yeah, I got close. Google Google torture porn, see what comes up. Yeah. Blue blue, uh, flashing lights is what's going to come up. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, um, trauma porn. And it's the way it just, it fills your feeds these days. It's... It's it's so intrusive. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's so intrusive, and I think the problem with it is, and it started with George Floyd, is the numbness that it causes within yourself and within others. So it's like, okay, I'm just exposing it. I'm just exposing it to the point where you're like, well, there's a family, and that was a person. Mm. It's not just a body. It's not just content. Um, I haven't watched these videos for a long time. Mm-hmm. I still never watched the George Floyd one. Yeah, George Floyd was the only one that I watched. Really? And I think that is why I wanted to bring this up in particular because when I chose to watch that video, it was because the George Floyd one is because I felt like I needed to. Like I felt like I needed to see that. Like, and we were just talking about generational trauma and I did bring this up I, and I wish I remembered the term. I wanna say it's like vicarious trauma or something like that. But when you see yourself reflected in someone or like in that case, I saw like my dad reflected in that or like my friends and it like, I could not get what I saw literally out of my mind's eye for weeks after that. I had to go to therapy, the whole thing. It was so impactful that I was like, did I do more harm to myself than good? Um, there, it brings up the questions of, for me, like, you know, with, with Emmett Till, his mom wanted to show his body because she wanted to show the world, like, this is what racism and white supremacy has done to my child. Like, I think he was 14 or something like that, like my baby. And people just wouldn't believe in the brutality and the frequency of what was happening to black people in America. So it was really important to show that. Um, and I think that's like what we kind of, when black people share these things, I think it's because we are trying to kind of recreate that impact. Um, but I think it's gotten to the point where, is it actually helpful? Is it making an impact? For me, it feels like it's still kind of necessary to share these things, but I'm like, to what aim and how do we do it in a way that is helpful? Because I feel like people do need to see the frequency with which police and other sort of groups are violently attacking black people. I do think that's important to know, but I also don't know how to do it in a way that is effective. Um, And I I read a really good article actually, and I just wanna like share a really quick quote, but it was by um, Renee Graham, and it was an article in the Boston Globe. And just this one paragraph sort of like sums it up for me where she said, these videos calling cards for police brutality serve as more of a warning to black people than a deterrent to law enforcement's entrenched behavior. And their constant airings do nothing to carve away at the racist systems and structures that allow police to trample through communities of color with an expectation of impunity. So 
that's kind of the thing, right? It's more like, what are these videos for? <laughs> Just what, what are they for? And I don't know, what do we think? Should we be sharing them? This is. I, I don't know. Isn't it? Because like, you mentioned Emmett Till, Rodney King. Yeah. If we want to go back, we've all seen, well, at least parts of the George Floyd killing. There's so many th of these things that have happened in the past that I'm like, what does the video need to show for people who are unaffected or quite apathetic to change their stance that hasn't already been aired before? Like, they've all been terrible. Every single last one of them has been terrible. Is releasing a new one or a new one being viewed by people going to make people more angry? Is it going to, I'd, the only thing that I can see is like, you watch something a thousand times and you do become softened to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the way that I look at it. And then it's yeah. just, again, black bodies being beaten to a pulp is becoming more and more normal every time we see one of these things. Mm -hmm. I, I, just, I just don't see any benefit in it. I like, I work in social media primarily. So I take, I'm really concerned about an entire generation growing up with black death being content. Yeah. Mm. Like the impact of people of 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 the content that people consume and are expected to like are expect to find online being fully immersed in that for their entire adult life. Mm -hmm. That's something which we're not going to find the true cost of yeah. for a long long time. So that's why on on Twitter it you know it being tweeted under a thing saying find the police who did this is is one thing that's not that's not the context it stays in that's not the context mm. it remains in it then it might go into Twitter yeah. it then gets quote tweeted like I've not seen one for a, a while but no doubt they end up in forums and chat rooms as memes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's I. Th I'm starting to think that the damage of that is outweighs the perspective upside. If the video exists, like they can, like so long as it's there for the to be used in a court case, it, I don't, I don't see the benefit of of having it out there and and for the family to keep seeing that because I just think we are becoming immune yeah. to to something which which should never ever become normal. Yeah, I think a good example I think of that is when, or something to compare it to, is um, everything now out about true crime, which I'm guilty of. I love listening to things about like serial killers and all that stuff. Yeah. But there was a point where mad still that in it. <laughs> when you really think, but it's become That's it's mad. become something that people are so fascinated by and it is now literally entertainment and it's horrible gruesome stuff and i'm really not shaming anyone about this because i am one of these people <laughs> like this i am this audience but there was a point where i think about my mom's generation where she was growing up in california where a lot of these things were happening and it was like the first time people had ever you know really had to deal with um something so sinister yeah and there are real victims. <laughs> like there are real victims of uh, serial killers, psychopaths, all of that stuff. And there was a point, and the, it still exists. And there's that whole like Dahmer 
thing that's out and the the family of the people who are the victims of Dahmer are like every single time a documentary is made about this or this comes up we are re-traumatized that's why I've not watched that. <laughs> but everybody else is just fascinated by this yeah. and it starts to dehumanize the actual victims of mm. you know so whatever got- happened and so it's I feel like it's kind of maybe where you're saying Dan this is going or where we're getting to where it becomes like we're desensitized to it but but then on the other hand something maybe it just needs a reframing in how these videos are being presented because I also think about honestly it, it comes down to me for me that the the police in these videos the way that they brutalize black bodies, it is an act of terrorism. And if you're a black and brown person in the States, to you, the police force represents terrorism. And I'm not saying all police are terrorists, obviously. But what I'm saying is that that system, that is what it's like. And much like in the States where we were like bombarded with these images of Muslim people or brown people committing acts of terror after like 9-11 and all that stuff, there's no balance of also seeing like, but look at how, you know, the quote unquote uh, status quo American, white Christian male police officer, like can be just as monstrous as these people that you're presenting as monsters yeah. to us. And there is something I feel like that could be put into a, a context there to show, you know, like to kind of break that fantasy of like, the nice vanilla like white cop yeah. like that that fantasy needs to pop i think for some people 100%. i think you just can't you use the great example when i was thinking about this earlier the example that i thought and this is crude but timely because it's just around the corner is a slam dunk contest in the nba mm. it's boring it's dry now they need to do something to change it mm-hmm. they need to do something to change the way these videos are presented and whatnot because social media, we've seen so many times that black bodies have been abused. With social media, we've seen all the different types of dunks that we think we can do right now. So it's like we need to do something different. And it is exactly the same for me. Like I'm just, I'm hardened to it. And that's why I don't watch these videos because I want it to still, I know what I'm gonna feel like whenever I watch it because like you said, I see myself in it. Mm-hmm. But then to a person who is removed from blackness, to a person that might not have many black people that they know come across, they just see black people as threats like the Ukrainian refugees that are coming over to this country and <laughs> something yeah. I watched the other day. Then, oh, yeah, yeah that, too. that really, really made me angry. Um, it's those people that I worry about seeing too much of this. Yeah. Do you know Tamir Rice would have been 21 this year? Wow. Um, if you don't know who he is, Google him. I'm not revisiting kind of past traumas. So that was that was 2014. Um, and also, um, uh, who was the other one? It was Michael... Um, oh, Garner. Michael, no, Michael Brown. Michael Brown. Michael Brown was also killed. Eric Garner, was um, Yeah. Yeah, Eric. Um, was also killed in 2014. He would have been 27 this year. And we talked about it a long time ago on the pod where we, we've lost a generation of black British sportsmen who have died early. And, and it's, 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 it just hits you like a bit of a gut punch every single time. And I think the thing is, is that for minority groups, the stakes are your life. The stakes are literally 
life and death, but other people want to debate it. And the thing that made me think this is, I think it was you, Dom, put the clip in from Question Time where India Willoughby was being was on the panel, and it it was a, a Scottish woman who was basically saying, I don't really care how you feel, but you shouldn't be allowed into women's spaces. India Willoughby is Britain's first trans TV presenter, um, or openly trans TV presenter. And I was watching that thinking, this is so similar to the discussions that we have, because for India Willoughby, this is a matter of existence. Mm. And for that person, it's like, and I should be allowed to debate that. I should be allowed to debate whether you're allowed to exist. The Tyree Nichols video, none of us, we had this conversation as we were coming in, none of us have seen it. And I said, well, I was thinking about like taking the bullet to see it so that one of us could comment on it. But then I was like, well, what for? Like if if a video where a police car pulls up on a 12 year old child and shoots that child within one second isn't enough. If a video of a police officer jumping onto the back of a man and choking him to death for the crime of selling cigarettes isn't enough. If the video of George Floyd isn't enough, then it's never gonna be enough. If a video yeah. of all these, um, uh, all these, uh, might, uh, was it, uh, the, what was the one? And, that, and, and, that, and even exactly. that phrasing, That's the a phrasing, problem. what is the one, is so traumatic. <laughs> but, um, they shot a double amputee the other day. Yeah. But 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 the th the thing the thing for me though is and it's the same thing in this country. So please don't think that no, we're doing oh it's not. awful over there. No. Whenever the information comes out, whenever the information comes out, the first thing I do is go back and look at the original arrest report. And you could do that in this country as well, because they will say like, "Yep, um, wasn't was being unresponsive, was being you know uh, combative," and then you see the whole thing. You're like, "Well, there's a whole ch chain of people." Um, and you know, the big thing that they do in America now is when they know they're about to do some stuff, let's just turn that camera off. Yep. And so the whole thing with trauma porn, and, and you're right, Dan, is that we've actually reached a stage where it's gonna need a hip hop soundtrack, or it's gonna <laughs> need some like HDTV, because people are literally consuming it going, but well, I wasn't as good as the last one. Retweet. Um, or, or they're going to be like, do you know what? I'm going to be a warrior for this, for clicks. Mm. Oh, that one didn't do particularly well. I'll take that one down because it didn't do so well. Mm. And it does, it just, it, when I realized, when I was doing the research for this, that damn, like, Samir Rice would be 21 this year. Mm. Could have been, could, 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 but, but, but would have been finishing college. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he would have developed into an amazing, a business person, maybe he would have developed into a phenomenal athlete. Maybe he would have been like the number one pick in. But maybe he'd have been none of that, but we st still got it stolen. And that, mm. and that is it. And that's why kind of there, I'm not even gonna say there needs to be a change because I just think that all the minority groups whose life is literally at risk, who other people think it's fit to debate. Well, you know, was he resisting or, well, but you know, uh, there, there's, because that was the thing on Good Morning Britain, there's been one case where a transgender woman has, um, has, has, has raped somebody in prison and is now being transferred to um, a male prison. And my brother was talking about it. And I actually, I didn't lose my temper at my brother. I lost my temper at the oxygen that the story was getting. Mm. 
I said, I said, do you think this means that all trans people are rapists? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Why is this story getting the oxygen? Because one of the he, things that Indy Willoughby said, she's like, we represent around 0.2% of the population. Why is this such a topic all the time? Do you know what should be a topic? I'll, t I'll tell you a story, which I, which I might get in trouble for. I don't care. I've been I won't say the name of a place I've been working. I've been working at a, a place that has um, young people there. And this place puts on dinners for these young people. There's a young person there whose family have gone into a very difficult economic situation. Um, and had not did not have enough money to pay for their food, mm -hmm. and I went, "How much is it?" I paid. I paid off the debt, and I and I didn't do it for any other reason where other than this person is going to starve. That is happening across educational institutions in this country. That 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 young people are coming to school starving. Yeah, that they are coming to school smelling. That they are coming to school and going home from school and not seeing parents because parents are out working. That is affecting a lot more people, but it will not get the oxygen. Mm -hmm. And that really, really frustrates me. That really, really frustrates me because I don't work at that. I'm a freelancer, as you guys know, but young people starving, literally starving. You can see that child's bones emaciated. That is a normal thing that is happening. Mm. It is a normal thing that is happening. But um, do you know that uh, maybe trans people shouldn't be allowed to play sport? Or that black person that got that got beaten to death. Um, I heard that he had a rap single. And, and, <laughs> but that is what happened. Yeah, yeah. The stories that we need to talk about, the stories that we should go, how can we call ourselves a developed society when young people are coming to their education, places of education and they're starving? Yeah, we can't solve those. So let's let's talk about all these things. It, it actually, I'm I'm hot right now. I'm it's heated. Just, it's distractions. It's just distractions from the real issues. Yeah. yeah, it links back to Ukraine for me as well because the way that so many people feel, I imagine so many white people feel and felt, and we saw it in the news when the invasion started. And again, it's absolutely horrible, horrible what's happening over there. But so many people were moved to the point of tears, to the point of fear and anger because they could see themselves in the victims, the the innocent people who were being slain, the innocent people covered in blood. When you see a white woman, hadn't she's had to leave her home because it's been destroyed and she's covered in blood, in this country and Western civilization, that is horrible. It's horrific. It's something that so many people can relate to. Mm -hmm. And that's what scares you to put a blue and yellow flag on your window. Now, it's very different, but it's also exactly the same for black people whenever one of these videos comes out. Because whereas you saw your society, your civilization potentially being attacked because of the, the invasion in Ukraine, every single time. Like this is, again, we, we talk about this so many times over the years that we've done the pod. Like I'm wearing a sling right now, and I've put this sling on a few times, and I'm wearing like a long overcoat today, and I'm like, whatever cop sees this and thinks I've got a gun. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's stupid, but it's not stupid because that is what these videos do to us. Mm -hmm. Because each and every one that you just mentioned there that you referenced, they were doing something completely normal, if not slightly illegal. Michael Brown was walking down the street with a friend. Exactly. Tamir Rice was playing with a plastic gun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they, as far as I'm aware, there is no crime mm -hmm. against playing with a plastic. As a child. As a, as a, as a 12 year old. But um, the narrative is always attached after the fact though, yeah. isn't it? 
mm. after the fact. What can we say now the video is out to minimize mm. what you're about to see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it relates to Ukraine in a slightly different way. Um, this the, the, the UK kind of opened its borders to the Ukraine and you know people were taking in Ukrainian families there's been a lot of uh, up in the northeast where I am there's been a lot of kind of Ukrainian businesses that have been established that are really well supported by the community it's that thing that you, you're able to do something we're not able to yeah. kids are going to school starving because people are poor um can't really solve that but I can open my home I can donate some money I can I can actually feel like I can uh like be a solution and I think that the paralysis of knowing that you can't, as an individual, solve some of the big issues, I think leads to those outpourings of um, uh, what we've seen with Ukraine. Do you remember when there was the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral and Mm -hmm. so many donations went in? So yes, I think it is partly about being able to see yourself, but I think it's also about being able to do something. And I think that's why Black Lives Matter as an organization made so much money, because it's like, finally there's something that I can feel like I'm doing something that is creating change. And that's why, you know, Talcum X is able, that's his whole brand. I will do something. Um, you you can finally I've see some action. Mm. <laughs> 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 I'm sure we talked about it. We've said it on. We've definitely before. used Talcum X. Oh, it's God. just been a while. I'm going to bring it back full circle. It's got nothing to do with anything really. What is your favorite remake? As a film. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. Ooh. That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You, you've, yeah. Had, you, you've just you just it's thrown we've that got, in there. We've got we've got time, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, you people. But that scene with the coof, I thought it was like proper funny. Like, like, <laughs> No, help me understand, like crazy, like black Muslims. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure, you know. Have you got any that come to mind? Uh, how oh, how about the Nutty Professor? Is that oh, really? I'm pretty sure the Nutty Professor is a remake. How You're about right. how about Doctor Doolittle? How about Eddie Murphy's oh, like shit, yeah. entire like post nineties over? Yeah. Not well. Yeah, I, I suppose Dolomite is my name. Is based on yeah a lot of past stuff but that was a great film great film i the worst thing is i i wrote that question down and i don't even have an answer <laughs> <laughs> well you expected us to come up with i'm gonna yeah. i'm just gonna, just gonna do time guys, so. what about what about one of the uh uh what about uh batman begins oh uh, yeah I t- when, yeah well that's that it's that because that is of the the nolanology that is my favorite film yeah ba- batman begins is is unbelievable um uh, it's it, and it's one of those where like it was because it was like 2005 mm. and everybody talks about the dark knight and mm. the dark knight is my least favorite of the three oh. but but they're all they're all they're all nine plus for me i don't think the bane one is uh, you mean oh the- bane, bane so re-watch it and just re- in fact do this with all batman films Watch Batman films and just go in assuming that Batman is the villain, and then everything in the film makes sense. Okay. Like Bane is one of the great villains because I spent the whole film being like, 
this mfer is right <laughs> oh my god like now look even the way he looks we're, he would have a podcast now like no, he, he would have he would have young young men being like no this is right how Wait. long have we been trying to eat the rich <laughs> he, he actually did it but but the joke is the same yeah what does a joker do with all that money sets it on fire what what a brilliant visual image for a thing that could solve like so many things. In fact, a lot of my favorite films, financial institutions or money gets destroyed. Cause I love fight I love the ending of Fight Club as well. Mm. Where you just see all of oh, them just get destroyed. Feet, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I would go I would go for like obviously if I I'm gonna come people are gonna be like, I can't believe you didn't say X film. Like there was actually a nineteen thirteen version and like the one that everybody thinks is the original is a classic. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> like from what I can from what I can remember, the Batman Begins is just, it's just a great film. Mm. It's just a great, great, great film. I've got none. I think, like, I don't, I think adaptations I could think of more, but in terms of remakes, maybe I really like A Christmas Carol. Which one? Muppets. So. Ha yes, my guy, if I could. <laughs> Muppets, Muppets. Um, I like actually the original 1938 one. There was mm -hmm. one in the middle that I didn't like so much. And I actually really like the um, Zemeckis one. I've not seen it. Yeah. Is that, is that the Jim Animated. One? Yeah, with Jim Carrey. Halfway up the stairs is a stair <laughs> that I said. This is um, my island in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, I think this counts, Lord of the Rings. Because there was the animated one in the like 70s or 80s or something that? like that. Yeah, and there was a Hobbit too. Um, Lord of the Rings, man. So I'm gonna go oh, what? Lord of the Rings. Too long, man. <laughs> nonsense. Oh, Absolute you nonsense. You just you don't have time for anything. No, I do. But the Lord Scissors of the Rings. Scissors album. Man, too my long. God. <laughs> Dom's so attention span is wildly short. It's not. <laughs> I, it really isn't. No, 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 I, I no, no. no. There was an album, man. It was not, 39 just, minutes long. And it's who's got dressed up with like, pointy ears and all kind of nonsense. No, no advert breaks. No advert breaks. This happens, and this spider is now talking. It's all bollocks, man. Dom, did you like? Did you like the wire? Loved the wire. So you sat through hour-long episodes and had no issues. Not nonsense. Oh it's my god, nonsense. you're nonsense. But all you're this said, I love Hold on, hold on. You had you had you had Stringer Bell going to community college, passing himself off as like yeah, Warren Buffett. <laughs> like you're saying it wasn't ridiculous. He was literally having meetings with drug dealers where they were taking notes, and that wasn't ridiculous. Is you taking notes on a criminal? Mountains throwing shit at you. Like it's just I have a limit of what is a limited imagination. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm too square. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Maybe you don't like not... Game of Thrones. There's titties in Game of Thrones. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm joking. Can we cancel <laughs> somebody joking, mid pod? But side eye. <laughs> joking. But. Can we do like they did with um, who was the actor where they just kind of CGI'd him out the film? <laughs> they they just see he, he, he no Game of Thrones. I liked until like the the sixth season. But that wasn't anywhere near as ridiculous as Lord of the Rings. I'll tell you what. It wasn't. Do what? It wasn't. I'll tell you You only what. had them orc things. You had like one element of God of Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. <laughs> Internet, get him. Dan, you he's only left. Had... Dan's gone. He's gone. He's actually Joe has left, left. The chat. He will not stand for this. There was only one element of it that was on the dragon as well. Nah, man, it's not as wild as Lord of the Rings. Oh, man. <laughs> it's not. Well, sorry, Dan. Look, take some shrooms. And we'll watch Lord of the Rings. What? And then, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Come on. I'm not. Not even micro, though, so I'm not doing none of that. Oh. <laughs>
Tell you what's why I'm me. Just kidding, recently. don't do drugs. I was listening to a lot of Isaac Hayes mm. and a lot of Teddy Pendergrass. Mm. And turn on the light. Honestly. <laughs> light a candle. <laughs> no, what really I was pondering on the way over here. How why? Why have we lost that voice? There's no R&B singers anymore. Like even in the 90s, no. we had like Jaheem. Like mm. people with a little bit of soul, a bit of tenor, a little bit of resonance to their voice. In the black male R&B singer now, it's all people like Brent Fires who's got a brilliant voice. Or it's like Chris Brown. Yeah. Who's like, Rap, no, like like talking about gangster shit yeah, there's, there's <laughs> like, no, with an R and B twist. Oh my god, dancing about you shooting people. Fuck off. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't understand. I think they're there. They're just not big. Who though? Quaker Asante. Fair. Um, I don't really, I don't really hear it that much no more. It's sad. We actually lost a, a great one who would have been that kind of generational voice, I think, in Lyndon David Hall. Yeah, fair. Uh, because his, awesome out. his, yeah, his second album. Woo! The man had a voice. So for those of you, I'm going to do it for people. Uh, if you see the film Love Actually uh, at the wedding scene, uh, Lyndon David Hall is the singer. He was one of the great yeah. singers, and he died, uh, I think, of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma oh, wow. around yeah. 2000, 2001. It's, um, it's, it just, it, it vexes me. No one's got nothing. Even, I swear, right, even in that era, you were talking about Chris Brown, and we have all these, like, delicate R&B singers now in terms of their voice, mm -hmm. right? Even in the 70s and 60s, you had, like, Curtis Mayfield, who mm. had that kind of voice, but it was still laced in soul. I don't see any of that. What about, what about Usher? I don't think that's R&B. I think there's a lot of loss of soul. I think it's yeah. style. There's a loss of soul in, in vocals, I think, a lot generally. Less people in church, maybe? I was literally going to say, because I was like, I only can really think of gospel mm. singers now, where you get that, like, oh my God, that, like, that voice through like your hair body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed that, man. It's not yeah, the wave anymore. It. It's only going to get worse with... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say this person's name, but the last person that I know of to have a mainstream to promote something like that was very, the most problematic uh, hip hop artist at the moment. Um, former Mr. Kardashian. Yeah. But. He's not a singer. But Ultra Light, no, but, that, but Ultra Light Beam. On about is, is that song? But that, but that like, was just gospel music to the masses, right? But that's what I'm saying. There was like it was gospel music, but then there were other influences in that album that I feel like were very soulful, and it's just unfortunate that. Well, Charlotte's rapid did some. People haven't I mean, haven't picked old. up on it more. Like I wish, I actually wish like other artists were doing more. I just want to, I want to, like, we were just talking about Eddie Murphy mm. when he's talking about, we don't, we don't have singers like Teddy Fendergrass anymore. Like, I just want a little bit of, hmm, like, a little bit. Some of that! <laughs> Jump back! Oh, woman! Like, <laughs> want to catch myself? Yeah, I just, or like yeah. a little Stevie Wonder. But the thing is, a lot of them is, a lot of them is still about, yeah, yeah, Ma Maxwell, um, The Weeknd. Stop. Stop it. Shut your mouth. Where's the song? What? Hold on, what? I actually hate The Weeknd's voice. I hate it. 
It, it, I don't think it's soulful. I want him to take more cocaine. Because if you take more cocaine, There's something you will get to the level eventually where yeah. you might acquire some of the 70s nostalgia. But I, I don't. The, the weekend is not for me. I cannot it's stand the weekend. It's not the shit since House of Blooms for me. And this is if you listen to Trilogy, it is not. It's not soulful. No. It's it's phenomenal it's for what it is, but he's not. It's not the same type of music that we're talking about. No, not at all. I, I, I don't know if it exists. It doesn't exist in the mainstream anymore because there's a lot of artists. That it might come back. Like I just I want it to. I really really want it to. Mm-hmm. Like Isaac Hayes, man. I think some women. I think there's oh, a lot of like they're female. Oh, I'm not. I'm not touching like, the female. Yeah, yeah. Like they're still holding it down. They're definitely holding it down. But just men, step your blood clot game off in it. Yeah. That, that sounded like a drought for Lamar. Man like Lamar, come back. <laughs> he did have it. Yeah. He did have I'm it. I'm not even, I was, I was not, I was, I was only literally a quarter joke in there. Yeah. Man like Lamar. Yeah, it's had, when he's singing from here, had, not here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it, Lamar sang from his, his mm. what's it, his stirring on. Yeah. Real yeah. tap. Diaphragm, that one. Diaphragm. <laughs> say it, say it in the accent. He sings from his, um, he sings from his <laughs> That's why I said from here rather than here because I don't know all them big words, did I? If you are looking for a black man to assuage your generational guilt, <laughs> the 911 Emmanuel Acho service. <laughs> that might be the most offensive thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. <laughs> See ya. See we out. We gotta go.